Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy Live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Gard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at MRCTV.org. Tonight on the program, we're going to have our news flash. It's the Pop Media Meltdown Sandwich with Tucker Topping. Oh, man, how awesome is that? Mm-mm, good. You know it's going to have Russian dressing in it. Then we're going to go with a quick update on the Trump Supreme Court battle and the other story about the Joe Biden papers. And, you know, that's obviously we knew where that was going to go. Nowhere. And uh, it didn't go anywhere. But the the fatuous comments of some of the people involved with that, I think Don Jeffries had the best comment if you follow Don Jeffries on X. Just really, really good. Then, of course, we're going to go with the major chunks. From Russia with love. Yes, my friends, it's from Russia with, hold it, silence that. You can see it right there. Silence that. Say the media dinosaurs. Don't say that. No, no, you can't say that. Uh Uh-uh. Then we're going to go with item number three. Number three. Number three. Yes, three squared, 27. uh, Three Q, 27. What was hiding behind the immigration bill? Well, you got it. If you saw my Twitter feed, it was, of course, as also Glenn Greenwald mentioned the other night and he mentioned last night. I didn't I was going to show you some footage from his uh, show today, but I'm going with something else instead. But again, spot on. Glenn Greenwald nailed it. Behind the border thing was, of course, warmongering for the defense industry. And we'll see it today in the latest development on the border issue, which has nothing to do with the border and everything to do with getting more weapons to Ukraine and Israel. And then we'll hit the climate cult. A nice little couple stories about something happening in England. And of course, David Knight brought this up, the defamation suit that Michael Mann has brought against someone formerly from um, from the Competitive Enterprise Institute and against Mark Stein. So they've gone through a couple days of trials on that. I think it's going to go to the jury now. And I've got a couple stories on that. And what is very interesting is to look at the way the pop media looks and concentrates on this. And they don't seem to understand that the reason Mark Stein went forward with this is because, as we saw with a previous lawsuit in Canada from a guy in Toronto whom Michael Mann sued for defamation, and then Mann pulled out because the guy he must have expected was going to not continue and was going to settle out of court, and the guy didn't settle. He brought it to court, which meant discovery. Michael Mann pulled out. Wait till you see what Mark Stein and some of these other folks are doing as they start to dissect this guy, Michael Mann. It's glorious. It's absolutely great. And then if we can get to it, we'll talk about Surveillance Exposed, an excellent new piece by Matt Taibbi. Uh, just excellent stuff. We might not be able to talk about it tonight, but hopefully we'll get to it uh, tonight. And if we can't, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Sort of a, a really good overview of uh, the latest uh, wrinkles in the ugly face of government government monitoring of us and attempts to silence us. So greetings, everyone, in the Rockfin and Rumble chat. Hello and welcome to Cat Thursday, you might say, here in Russia. 
Jason Barker, thank you for communicating all the way from the United States to me here in Russia in my bunker. And I know you've got the invite from the Russian government because we all know you're secretly working for the Russian government on Nights of the Storm and in the foxhole. We all know that. And I also want to say thank you, Carlos Rex. I know that the Rex stands for Russia. So thank you also for being a Russian plant. It's great to have you here inside the chat where, of course, we all speak Russian. And I, I'm really glad that my AI interpreter is working so well right now to make it sound like I'm speaking English when I'm really speaking my first tongue, the split fork tongue of Russian Satanism. Yes, indeed. Harry Hart is there. Thank you, Harry, for being there as well as everybody in Rumble. Want to say hi to Rumble. Don't forget to hit the thumbs up and the thank you and all that other stuff. And uh, all those things. And I just want to make sure we're, we're definitely running in Rumble. Yes, we are. Confink, thank you. Birdhouse Blues, thank you very much. I heard, uh, I think David Knight mentioned you today. Those cats live a good life. I'm a little jealous, guard. Oh, thank you so much, Birdhouse Blues. Yeah, they are really amazing, amazing guys. They're they're very smart, very smart guys. And uh, let's see. Confink, i got to stop drinking and chatting. <laughs> Well, since I don't drink, you can do it for me. Uh, Risha M, won't be anything new. Putin is pretty consistent with what he has been saying all along. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, I'm, I'm very interested to see, um, and hopefully it won't be edited. Uh, I, I think Tucker's smarter than that. Um, but uh, I want to see Tucker, you know, press him on a couple things regarding press freedom and stuff like that in Russia. I, I would love to see him ask questions about the mRNA jab and admit, hey, I didn't speak up soon enough about the mRNA jabs when I, you know, I should have known better or I did know better and I was afraid to speak. You know, who knows? But uh, we'll see. We'll see how, how that all uh, pans out. And I think it's, you know, it's starting up on Tucker's channel. I don't know if you have to pay or whatever, but, you know, Tucker's my competition, but I know we're going to be rolling right over that guy. And how are we going to be doing that? Well, you know how we're going to be doing it, one and all. We're going to be doing it thanks to, of course, you know it, the fact that we have the Flash. Yes? Oh, hello. Hello, we're Mary's parents. Oh, well, come on in, fellas. Hold it a second. Mary's parents burned to death last year. Wait a minute. I know you guys. You're from the News Flash. We begin with something very brief, not a piece of music right off the bat, although I could go with our favorite Matt Monroe, who, of course, also hails from Russia, even though his name doesn't sound Russian. We all know it's Russian. Same thing with Goldsmith. I want to start off with my uh, – I'll go with my comment. I was going to go with Russell Brand's uh, tweet first or X first or whatever you want to call that. Uh, but I'll just mention my comment first, even though it might prejudice you or preface this you know, in a colorful way or whatever. Uh, I was commenting on, on something that uh, – that Russell Brand put out there. And then I'll show you this little clip from Russell. I think it's good. I said, so CNN 
and other pop media outlets echoing EU politicians who have zero problem with Netanyahu's government slaughtering innocents. They feature interviews with a woman behind mass death in multiple nations, yet can't see their own double standards. Well done, Rusty Rockets. And so here is what Russell Brand had to say. Hit me, Flava. I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with outlet because he is a useful idiot. The word that was censored there was Russian. I think it's just a glitch rather than an editorial decision, but it shows you that the establishment in the form of Hillary Clinton and has the establishment ever taken a greater form is infuriated. They are bamboozled, shattered and terrified that not by Tucker Carlson necessarily, but by the fact that we are going to get the opportunity to see a conversation between Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson, where we will be able to decide for ourselves whether or not Vladimir Putin is lying. Join us for this stream to talk about the ramifications of this interview and what it means about the power of independent media and the changes to independent media that the establishment cannot face. Join us at these times. Uh, Good stuff. Good stuff. And again, you know, I really like the way that he's changed his life. And uh, it's nice to see. Really good to see that. And I don't know if he's going live. It doesn't look like he's going to be watching this live, you know, commenting on the Tucker thing live. And I think for the Tucker channel, you've got to pay or something like that. But it's going to be going out on X. And maybe it already is out on X. And it was on Tucker's channel a little bit earlier. I don't know, because I was with the cats and so on. Uh, But I'm very interested in it. And again, you know, I take the stuff as I can get it. Um, we're going to discuss the Tucker stuff in more detail in a little while, in particular, that shot from that conversation with Hillary Clinton from MSNBC. Uh, that is, I think, a, a, an incredibly powerful energy source to look at that thing and then branch off of that to start looking at the unbelievable hypocrisy of many of these news outlets, plus remind ourselves of historical benchmarks or stepping stones in the history of the Russian-Ukraine conflict that they don't discuss in the pop media. And it's incumbent on us, if we're going to be critical of them or if I'm going to be critical of them, to remind people of the facts that they're not bringing up. The people who are on that MSNBC screen, like Hillary Clinton and others you will see, who have already shown themselves to be massive deceivers, massive hypocrites, massive staunch, hardcore propagandists at the same time that they're claiming that Tucker Carlson is now somehow the enemy of America. So we'll talk about the enemy of journalism, in fact, is is an implication that uh, Hillary Clinton gives. So we're going to go through a number of these historical things as reminders, as ways to put bookmarks into this show so that if you want to go back and you want to send this off to friends, you go, here are a series of pieces of information that this guy presented to indict these people in the courtroom of public opinion. Let's first, however, go to the other courtroom, my friends. We're going to go to the Supreme Courtroom and hear what I love, that famous theme from You Know Who. Hit me, hit me. 
love that theme. Good stuff. I don't know. I have to look up who composed it. I, I probably looked it up years ago, but I do love that theme. And it's a wonderful show. The thing, all the stuff they fit into a half hour show back then. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. And they didn't have to spend a lot on sets. That for sure. That's for sure. They had basically three sets. <laughs> Pretty good. That's a way to save some cash. Let me tell you, when we worked at the Outer Limits, when they got towards the end of the season, they had what they called a bottle show where they would take segments of other shows and put them together so they could save money. And they, they started to look at it as a challenge. They, they would say, okay, we didn't design all these stories to go together, but we can we take clips from every one of the shows from Outer Limits from this season and put those together and actually make a show that puts all these disparate story ideas together into a show. And they did it every time. It was so much fun to watch. It was such a blast. It was really, really neat. And by the way, as critical as people are of Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton actually was in one of the best Outer Limits episodes. If you ever get a chance to see it, it was really, really good. Look up Will Wheaton in the Outer Limits Showtime series. It was very good. I can't, I'm not going to say anything about it, but if you understand uh, space travel and um, G-forces, there's a tell in the show. Just watch for that. It's it's really, really good. The guy who wrote it, uh, uh, Chris Dickey, great dude. Uh, he he really knew what he was doing on, on his science stuff. So that was cool. All right. So let's give you the first blush stuff about Donald Trump. Uh, just a... F- Framing device, again, to use that term. This is coming to us from the Daily Mail. Supreme Court is primed to keep Trump on the Colorado ballot in blockbuster hearing. Liberal justice has expressed deep concerns, and his lawyer insists January 6th was a riot and not an insurrection. Okay, so that's the first framing device. And it has to do with the 14th Amendment, which very clearly the 14th Amendment says that someone who engaged in insurrection does uh, can be removed uh, is is not uh proper to be inside to be on a ballot for uh an official position uh for the United States but there are some questions about it and of course I'm hacking it up paraphrasing it there are some questions about this uh, but none of the questions really really matters because he wasn't convicted of an insurrection and he wasn't even charged with insurrection. But let me go to a popular news site, USA Today, to show you the way that they describe this, okay? So they're trying to give people one of their classic explainers. Now, USA Today has done some good stuff in the past. They featured good stuff from James Bovard. They're the ones who put out the fact check, and yes, they did say, yes, indeed, the U.S. government was funding medical centers and incentivizing them to put their patients on the list of having died from COVID when they didn't die from COVID. They just died with a positive PCR test, which was probably faulty. So they've done good and bad stuff. In this case, not so good. Let me show you how they've opened this thing up. Now, if you're going to this site, right, and you say, oh, there's an explainer. What's this 14th Amendment thing? I was reading Jonathan Turley's stuff, and he's talking about the three parts to this. What does this all mean? What's the what's in the 14th Amendment? What do I have to know? Well, you don't really have to know that much because obviously, if you just want to go through it pretty quickly, it's just really silly to even think that they can keep Donald Trump off a ballot because he was never convicted or even charged with insurrection. But 
Look at the way that they put this story. For people who are curious, they want to get the information, they have the headline. What is the 14th Amendment? What is Section 3? What to know as SCOTUS hears Trump appeal? So this is their opportunity to give you information about the breaking news of the day, right? Not quite. You got to wade through the morass of their propagandizing about abortion before you get to the actual substance of the breaking story on Trump. They go into Roe v. Wade. This is the way they do it. On Thursday, the U.S. Supreme Court will hear former President Donald Trump's appeal to a Colorado ruling that removed him from the presidential primary ballot due to his role in the January 6, 2021 riots at the U.S. Capitol. Yes, you know, his role when he said, go protest peacefully. Now, I agree with David Knight. I would never have gone there. But as far as trying to throw the darts at Donald Trump for that, you got nothing on him. You got the fact that he wasn't well informed in this and he organized a protest, but he overtly said, go protest peacefully. Now, whether people think that he was suckering people because he knew they weren't going to protest peacefully doesn't matter because he overtly said, go protest peacefully. So he's absolved. He's completely absolved. You can't get the guy for any of this stuff. In the December 4, 4 to 3 vote, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Trump is disqualified from the race because of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. The Now, so there you go. So people are curious. Maybe they're not familiar with the 14th Amendment, Section 3. What does it say? Okay, let's find out. The post-Civil War era provision bars anyone who has engaged in insurrection from holding office again. Hmm, okay, sounds cool. I get it. Similar legal challenges to Trump's candidacy have been filed around the country, and Maine's Democrat Secretary of State has ruled that he is ineligible for the ballot. Of course, it's ridiculous, sort of like when you read the Second Amendment, shall not be infringed. I think I get it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You have to check in with Lewis Carroll and Humpty Dumpty. We can make words mean whatever we want them to mean when we're in power. That is what matters, said Humpty Dumpty to Alice. And all that matters is who is in charge. The ruling could have huge implications in this year's presidential election. Again, still framing it, going through it now. We're in the third or fourth paragraph. Here's what to know about the constitutional provisions the arguments will hinge on. So what do they tell us? First, they have to go through the 14th Amendment. Okay, so this is their opportunity to actually get into, you got it, something that is completely disconnected with this case. It's their opportunity to propagandize about Roe v. Wade. That's what they do at the opening of this thing. They say, what is the 14th Amendment? The 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was passed in the post-Civil War era, intended to extend liberties in the Bill of Rights to formerly enslaved people. It was passed by Congress in June 1866 and ratified July 1868. Now, did you notice something about that? Intended to extend liberties in the Bill of Rights to formerly enslaved people. Okay, there they're mixing things. What they're doing is they're slyly getting in what I've often warned people about, which is this concept of the incorporation doctrine. Judges started to portray the 14th Amendment as incorporating into state constitutions the Bill of Rights, which it does not do. It doesn't do that at all. 
The 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause says that states that have statutes that protect people must enforce them equally. And the 14th Amendment reiterates the 5th Amendment and concepts in the 6th Amendment regarding jury trials and the right to a trial before you get punished. Okay, that's it. It doesn't incorporate all of the rest of the Bill of Rights. It doesn't do that. And the more people try to frame it that way, the more angry I become. I don't really get angry, but the more bemused I get because they're reiterating some a bunch of fallacious nonsense for political reasons. And I don't even know whether some of these people really know that they're doing it overtly. I'm not sure. If, if maybe they just they're just like Pavlov's, you know, Supreme Court dogs. You know, they hear some bell go off and they think, oh, now we're going to write about this. But that's the way they framed it. And that's not even the worst part of this. Okay, the worst part of this. And I'll show you this this again on the big screen. Let me let me blow it up a little bit further so you can see it larger. Okay, so again, there's there's where they send it intended to extend liberties in the Bill of Rights to formerly enslaved people. That isn't exactly right. It was intended to make sure that statutes protected people equally. Of course, I think that concept of protection under the state is a misnomer. I think an anarchist can easily prove that. But that is really, as I said, really trying to refer to the incorporation doctrine. And as I said, if you actually think that the incorporation doctrine, say, on the First Amendment, incorporates the First Amendment, and you're not you're going to overlook whether or not there are speech protections in a state constitution you're making a mistake because even if you think that the incorporation doctrine is valid which it isn't it's just a tradition among judges even if you think the 14th amendment incorporated the first 10 amendments of the bill of rights of the constitution into state constitutions without those state constitutions being amended themselves even if you think that the First Amendment overtly states Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or freedom of religion. OK, and as I mentioned, after 1866, there were plenty of states that still had religious schools. Maine still has it in their constitution. New Hampshire has it in its constitution that the state can give uh, funding and special special financial gifts to seminaries. The new fourth edition of Healing Our World, The Compassion of Libertarianism, will take your understanding of liberty to a deeper level and has over 1,300 updated references, new cartoons, and a forward by Dr. Ron Paul. With discounts for multiple book purchases, the fourth edition of Healing Our World is a great gift for the liberals, pragmatists, environmentalists, and Christians in your life who think libertarianism is cold-hearted. Get yours today at healing.freetalklive.com and use promo code FTL for a $5 discount. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Gard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at MRCTV.org. So there's no separation of church and state in many states, even after the 1866 passage of the 14th Amendment, which clearly undercuts anybody's argument 
of for the incorporation doctrine. But if you want to get very explicit and you really want to knock somebody down on the First Amendment part of, part of it, then you can say, look, even if they incorporated the First Amendment, the wording of the First Amendment still reads Congress shall make no law. So it would still allow the states to make laws in that. Now, I don't want political entities to infringe on my neighbor's right to speech or religion or whatever, right? I don't want that. But as far as the functionality goes of the U.S. Constitution, the, the First Amendment applies only to Congress. And then you just have to look into your state constitutions. So I often say that inside my MRC TV articles because uh, I want to remind people of that. Again, I would be dishonest with people if I just brushed that off. Right. And thankfully, the MRC TV editors allow me to put that in there because they know structurally I'm making a sound point. Right. And as long as it doesn't take up too much time, why not put it in there? Why not get a few more people to understand this, especially if they're teenagers and they're just taking a civics class? But here's the other part of it that I found incredibly offensive. And this is just the start of this this court thing. We're not even getting into what the rulings are or anything like that regarding Biden's papers or all these arguments and so on. But just to sort of, you know, wash away this Trump thing and, you know, get it out of the way where we think it's we know it's where it's going to go. I mentioned a couple of things. Jonathan Turley, he was doing uh, day, uh, hourly updates on his Twitter feed. The 14th Amendment, they write at USA Today, was thrust into public debate in recent years. Here they go. Not getting to the Trump thing they're talking about. Roe v. Wade. When the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the due process clause in the 14th Amendment has been used to defend the right to privacy, a key argument in the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling protecting the right to an abortion. Okay, so there you go. They've peppered it. They put in their propaganda that it is a so-called right to take the life of another human being, which it is not, that there is so-called a right to privacy when you are engaged in an activity, which there is not. That's ridiculous. And um, the idea that this needs to be explained in this story at all. It doesn't need to be explained. The due process part of this has nothing to do with this. It's Section 3 that is the pertinent clause. 14th Amendment, Section 3, full text. That's the point. So this entire upwards part, all of this could have been removed, but the editor kept, kept it in there. Why? Because they have an agenda. Obviously, they have a political agenda. They want to keep things going after Roe v. Wade was overturned and upset people and keep focusing on the national loss that occurred when Roe v. Wade was overturned, when it should have been overturned. It's supposed to be up to the states to define capital murder and how those are going to be punished. And if you're going to have punishment for inflicting uh, grievous murder, murderers uh, engaging in a murderous act, then you have to apply the punishment equally to all the people who take human lives, including the taking of a fetal life, because life begins at fertilization, at conception. So here is their bit, 14th Amendment, Section 3, full text. And it just gets us to where we started. The very stuff about the insurrection stuff, it reads, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. 
but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So it gives an out if Congress wants to change that and say, no, they can. They can stand for, for election. Now, the ins and outs of the question of whether or not uh, holding an office of the United States, the president uh, is in office as an officer of the United States or as the president of the United States and whether that definition, it doesn't even come into play here. You don't even have to talk about that. If people are curious about it, maybe they'll try to hash it out in the Supreme Court. Maybe the Supreme Court members won't want to touch it right now because they can easily answer this question just by addressing whether or not Donald Trump was convicted of or accused of insurrection. And then they'll skip these other questions as to whether or not all of these stipulations would apply to a president. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. If people are curious about it, they want to discuss, well, it says no person shall be a senator or, or representative in Congress or elector or hold any office, civil or military under the United States. That would sound like a president or under any state. Sounds like a governor or legislator, legislator who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States. Again, that sounds kind of like the president, but how will they define that? Or as a member of any state legislature or, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States. Did they leave that open-ended and say, no, that doesn't include a president? I don't know. To me, it's speculation that doesn't and they they could speculate and come up with some opinion out of the Supreme Court, which would lay down a precedent. They certainly could right in this case. But to me, it's not pertinent. That's not a question. And I think they'll skip it. I don't think they're going to come up with any determination there as to whether or not it applies to, to a president. I think they often show such deference to being quiet on anything they don't have to talk about that they're not going to talk about that. I think they'll just hit the insurrection part of it. And that would be it. But who knows? You know, there might be a dissenting voice like Sotomayor saying, well, seems to me that this does apply to a president, but he didn't engage in insurrection. Or maybe uh, Alito will say, it seems to me this doesn't apply to a president and he didn't engage in insurrection. So you have those possibilities going on there. I think those are um, I think those are less likely. But I got to leave the door open. Maybe that could happen. Let me know what you think inside the Rockfin or the Rumble chat. I'd, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, you know, one of these scenarios that could play out. And the last I looked, I didn't see that there was any final ruling from the court on this. Uh, I was checking Jonathan Turley's blog and I didn't see anything on that. So um, I'd, I'd love to find out, you know, what their opinions are. But again, you know. It's kind of strange. Again, when you have national stories like this, I think it reflects a lot more on just being wary of your enemy because really I can read this and I can say to myself, okay, there's a bit of ambiguity here as far as the officer part. Do you, does it include a president? Does it not include a president? I don't know. Um, I would think that it does, but Really, uh, as an anarchist, I got to say, OK, I, I want to know the rules under which they're going to operate. But I know that in the court, they'll just reread these things. So that's one of the major lessons I get out of it. Let's see what you think. Hey, Carlos Rex, thanks so much for the contribution. That's great. And Jason Barker also. Thank you. Oh, hey, thank you so much. Jason says, great job covering for David Gard. Thank you very, very much, Jason. It, meant, it means so much, as you know. You know, what great people. And you, you guys are great. 
Carlos, love to talk to you on the phone sometime. Carlos Rex, thanks for being there as well. You know, I was I was thinking about talking to Jason, how much I want to get you on the show too, Jason. I've been so busy and everything here, you know, being in Russia. And um, thanks, you guys. Really appreciate that. And let's make it a good party tonight. We've got a lot to get into. So now that I've covered that aspect of it, okay, I do want to show you a little bit of what Don Jeffries had to say about the ruling on the Biden papers. Now, this... I don't know. Oh, oh, actually, wait a minute. Before I even go into that, let me stick with the theme on the Donald Trump stuff. Okay. So, uh, and there will be some other Biden stuff in here as well. Uh, but let me show you what Jonathan Turley had to say. Okay. First, we're going to go to Jonathan Turley's website. And of course, it is all in Russian. Jonathan Turley, right there, you can see the, the Russian language. Um, so it says here, uh, this morning, I will be joining the live coverage of the Supreme Court of uh, at the Supreme Court of the arguments over the disqualification of former President Donald Trump from the Colorado ballot under the 14th Amendment. When I am not on air, I will be doing my usual running analysis on Twitter slash X. I have been a vocal critic of the theory under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment as textually and historically flawed. It is also, in my view, a dangerously anti-democratic theory that would introduce an instability in our system, which has been the most stable and successful constitutional system in the world. We can expect the justices to focus on the three main questions before the court. One, is the president an officer of the United States for purposes of Section 3? Two, is Section 3 self-executing? Three, was January 6th an insurrection under Section 3? Well, it doesn't matter whether it was an insurrection or not. Donald Trump has not been charged with leading an insurrection, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he says, you will likely hear references to Griffin's case in the arguments. Not long after ratification in 1869, Chief Justice Salmon P. Chase ruled in a court opinion that the clause was not self-executing. He suggested that allowing Congress to simply bar political opponents from office would be a form of punishment without due process and would likely violate the prohibition on bills of attainder. Precisely right. So that means, again, you've got to have due process. If someone has not been convicted of a crime, you can't punish that person. So clearly, the Fifth, Sixth, and Eighth Amendments would apply here. Donald Trump has not been convicted of insurrection. So how can they punish him? Right. It's all just basic logic. It's just it's it's the most basic syllogistic stuff. So Turley also says you will also likely hear comparisons to other sections and how this case could impact the meaning of terms like officers and offices. For example, the appointments clause gives a president the power to appoint ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, judges of the Supreme Court and all other officers of the United States. That, end quote, that creates a tension with defining, as do those pushing this theory, that a president is also an officer of the United States. Most of the advocates simply argue that the meaning is different. Well, I think the president is an officer of the United States. See, but this is this is part of the problem. What you're what you're doing here is really uh, in any written document, you're going to introduce, of course, the tragedy of the commons. Because even though they might have been trying to be very strict on their wording, occasionally they might have messed up or people are going to try to introduce new interpretations because everybody wants to influence the way that that document is going to be steered. Right. Just like 
how is that piece of lawn going to be used? Is it going to be a, a baseball park or a football park in, un, under government? Well, I want it steered this way. I want it steered this way, right? I want my money to go to military contractors and Israel. Oh, okay. He says, you may also hear reference to the incompatibility clause, which provides, quote, no person holding any office under the United States shall be a member of either house during this continuance in office. U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 6. Critics have noted that the proponents of this theory argue that the Speaker and Senate President Pro Temp are officers of the United States. Indeed, they reject any difference between an officer of the United States and an office under the United States. However, this creates tension with members serving as speakers and Senate presidents pro temp because those positions are also offices of under the United States. So you can see it's very confusing and it's obviously open to interpretation. But with that, I want to turn to his blow-by-blow coverage just to give you some quick information and to get into a couple of the Joe Biden things. So Here's the Joe Biden stuff working backwards. The DOJ is defending the lack of criminal charges against Joe Biden because they dropped the not going after Joe Biden, while noting the difficulty in going to trial against a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. That's Biden's DOJ. Okay, so. Turley wrote this uh, just underneath this. Biden is found to have willfully retained documents but he is still viewed as too sympathetic uh, a person for a potential jury. Conversely, Trump was clearly viewed as neither sympathetic nor sufficiently old to warrant such consideration. So the DOJ is not going to pursue, obviously not going to pursue the president, Joe Biden. Now let's get into a little bit more. He says Biden did not even have to show up in pajamas like Vincent the Chin Gigante to get the deference for his age. The problem is that this description of what makes for sympathetic defendant does not make for a particularly compelling president. That makes a good point. So finally, here is the last little bit about the Trump stuff. He says, the argument is now over. The disqualification advocates may have expected a cold reception, but this was perfectly a glacial reception. I'm adding a little bit here. Notably, some of the toughest and most skeptical questions came from the left of the court. Most notable were the questions from Justice Jackson, who seemed to push the idea that the president may not have been intended to be one of those covered by the provision. Jackson is probing the list, uh, the list argument that the president is not listed expressly. Okay, so we went through that. So they did look at some of those questions. And Katanji Brown Jackson was asking whether or not the president is actually part of this. So she's not saying this is irrelevant. She's digging into it to say, I'm curious about this. Let's vet this. Let's argue that part of it when they don't really have to. They could just say, well, he was never convicted of insurrection or anything. All the rest of this is moot. Let's let's be done with it. But she wants to dig in further. Very interesting. Jackson was viewed by many of us as the toughest sale for those seeking to overturn Colorado. She is clearly still in play for those seeking to set aside this judgment from Colorado. And he says, Jackson is saying at best, this is ambiguous. And if there is an ambiguity, why would we construe it against democracy? But again, she's looking at 
she seems to be assuming that insurrection is something that in which the president engaged. And I don't see that at all. I, I just don't see that. So now I want to turn uh, one last bit. And I, I think they're going to come down on you know, overturning this Colorado decision. But I want to show you what Don Jeffries had to say. Here it is. What a banana republic joke we are. Some classified documents are more equal than others. And of course, here it is. The special counsel finds evidence Biden willfully mishandled classified info, but says that no charges are warranted. So there you go with the nice cartoon thing about, I don't know, toilet paper or something like that. <laughs> Got to get those ads in here in the Russia. So thanks, Don Jeffries, for doing that. Great, great job, Don. Really appreciate that. Now, let's turn to, of course, since we are in Russia, let's turn to the big story that's on so many people's minds. And I think partially because, yeah, some people have questioned Tucker Carlson's motivations and things like that but mostly because of the absolute visceral, ribald, almost radically insane response of the dinosaurs in the pop media, almost universally. I want to show you a couple examples of those, but first, of course, folks, we need a theme coming from here to you from Russia. You got it. From Russia with love, I fly to you, much wiser since my goodbye to you. I've traveled the world to From Russia, baby. From Russia, with love. I love that tune. Great lyrics in that. Great lyrics. Great lyrics in that. Um, so, of course, let's go to the From Russia with Love story, one and all. And, yeah, you know, regardless of, of what one... Uh, I don't think that we're being given a, a big stage show of the two polar uh, Hegelian dialectics and that it is all being run and managed and staged managed and that the people like Hillary Clinton who are being trotted out to, um, to speak are somehow in cahoots and they're trying to portray, they're trying to push Tucker Carlson into a position where he's even more trusted and that sort of thing. I think they, in the pop media, I think they hate uh, Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I think they want to continue the narrative of Vladimir Putin is the bad guy. And I think that some of the people that they have trotted out to portray Vladimir Putin as the bad guy are so jaw-droppingly hypocritical and have shown themselves to be so evil that it's almost a, a dark comedy. It's unbelievable. And specifically, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. So first, I want to show you some of the people who introduced Hillary Clinton on MSNBC. Okay, get this. I'm just going to show you the freeze frame here. Okay, if you go to the MSNBC official website, you'll see this as Ali Velshi joined. Um, uh, who is that? Alex Wagner. 
And they went through this interview that she did with Hillary Clinton to discuss the Vladimir Putin, Tucker Carlson interview, which they none of them have seen. What is most revealing about it is how much they detest Tucker Carlson and how willing these people are, including Ali Velshi and her, to overlook Hillary Clinton's obvious history of war crimes and bloodthirstiness and opposition to real journalism. And when you see this, this one particular line from Hillary Clinton, I, I, I was just, I just sat there. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They actually, she actually said it. First of all, this shows you how gratuitous and obnoxious this woman is. She thinks she can get away with virtually anything in front of these sycophantic press people. I can't even call them the press. They're the, they're the prostitutes, you know, but also how much lap doggedness these people have in them. Now, just to let you know, Ali Velshi is the guy who became infamous a couple of years ago as he stood in front of a burning library and live reported on MSNBC that, well, you know, what's been going on here is a mostly peaceful protest. People run around. I mean, it's like it's like naked gun time. With Leslie Nielsen, nothing to see here, everywhere. I mean, literally, but it was real. You just sat there like, are you kidding me? That's uh, that's insane. He's got a burning building behind him, and they chose the spot. I mean, it's not like they were walking along, and he's like, you know, talking to the camera as he's moving. He comes into frame, and there's a lot of burning library there. They set the camera up in front of the library, and then he's there telling people, well, you know, it's mostly peaceful. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> and then she, she's sitting there across from Hillary Clinton, very clearly a woman who should have been up in the Hague for millions of people dead because of her, for extrajudicial murders, for laughing about the murder of Gaddafi, for being involved in so many criminal acts in her career. Just unbelievable. Going all the way back to laughing about getting a, a child molester off when she was a lawyer. Just just one of the most despicable characters in all of American history, sitting in front of this woman and wait till you see. But also, Ali Belshi, let me show you a little something else from that guy. Here's this guy. These are the kinds of people with whom he associates. This is this is Newsbusters, MRC TV. There's their headline. MSNBC host claims my audience doesn't have conspiracy theorists. Look who he's with. Nina Jankovic, the singing, the singing uh, censor, the singing censor from the Ministry of Truth. That's Ali Velshi. He's on there and wait till you hear what they say. So I'm framing this just to remind people I'm putting the bookmarks in right now. OK, Ali Velshi, mostly peaceful protests. Ali Velshi. Hey, Nina Jankovic. Let's hear what you have to say, Exper examining how conspiracies take hold in American society. Listen to this. Nina, but let's just talk about that for a second. I, I just did that, 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 that intro to the segment, right? So that my audience would understand this conspiracy theory that I guarantee you pretty much nobody in my audience knew that story because why would they? Uh, two segments ago, I talked about um, red states and, and Bidenomics. Again, I'm not, my, my audience doesn't have conspiracy theorists in it. Right. So what does this content war mean? What does this volume of information mean? I okay. can say so his audience doesn't have conspiracy theorists in it. 
He's talking to Nina Jankovic, who was part of the cabal that tried to portray Russian disinformation. She sang the lyrics of a Disney movie and replaced it with claims of Russian propaganda. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Gard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at mrctv.org. He's got her on, and he's claiming that his audience doesn't get involved with conspiracy theories. Like, oh, man. Allie, are you serious? Now, I want to give him one thing, however. He has spoken up about the Israeli violence in Gaza, okay? So I want to be fair about that with another bookmark in the show, okay? So, you know, there's a lot to cover with these people. They're on all the time, and they're spouting such nonsense. But in that case, we do want to give him that, okay? But literally, he's on there with... An un, a person who filled an unconstitutional spot doesn't question that at all. Then talks about how he has he doesn't have conspiracy theorists in his audience. He literally has a guest on who's spouting conspiracy theories. It's amazing. It's stunning. Now let's go to Hillary Clinton. Get ready for this, everybody. This is just amazing. So I recorded this, and I want to get this all said because I wanted to make sure that the volume was appropriate for you. And you'll see, this is my headline. This is not a farce. Or as Public Image Limited would say, this is not a love song. Watch this, okay? Here's the intro. And they, they're, they're so comfortable. They feel so utterly comfortable in their environment. Their bubble is so thick. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really, it, it is. It's like looking at an insane asylum at lunchtime. It's like, yeah, so what did you do? Oh, I rode a pink elephant. Yeah, me too. They exist. They're right here in the room with us. Okay. Donald Trump, who is parroting Putin line, Putin's yes. lines. Do- Tucker Carlson. Who so is- right there, we've got Donald Trump is parroting Putin's lies. What lies? They're not bringing any evidence. They're not saying. Now, Donald Trump has lied about a bunch of things. Okay. But if you're going to say that, you shouldn't be feeling so comfortable that you can say it without actually providing, or at least even not even if you don't if you don't want to just defend your your own position. If you just want to offer the audience something, if you're claiming that Donald Trump is promoting Putin lies, 
then inform the audience. What are some of those lies? You'll see Hillary Clinton. She's guilty of the same thing coming up. She does the same exact thing. Why? Because they're the ones who are lying. They've been lying since they overthrew the government of Ukraine and, and put in the new government in early 2014. I was writing about it at the time. I was doing my podcast at the time. I was trying to tell people about it. It was like screaming into the propagandistic wind from all the pop media dinosaurs out there. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Leo just came over here. He's, he's out of cam shot. He wants, to, he wants to come on and talk about this. So right off the bat, we're not even five seconds into this. And they're already doing something that if you were an honest broadcaster and you just thought of people as people who deserve respect, you wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't say, oh, yeah, you know, Trump, he, he spouts these Putin lies. Would you do that? No way. You would say, what are some of the lies? So you give people some valuable stuff. If you say something, if, if you want to warn somebody off, like you got some kids who are going out to a pond, right? And you knew that the ice was, was thin. You wouldn't just be like, oh, kids, you know, watch out out there. You'd be like, hey, I measured the ice. It's, it's thin over here near where the stream comes in. Watch out over there. It was, it's been too hot. You would tell people some information. You'd back it up so they believed you, right? It's just, I, it just the, the, the level of disrespect that these people have for the hoi polloi out there, us, we underlings, it's just stunning. And, 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 and this woman is is one of the worst. Wait till you see the glowing look she has as she sits across from literally Hillary Clinton. We came, we saw, he died. You know, a band leader, if you will, yeah. for this faction of Republicans who are defeating these bills, it was in Moscow interviewing Vladimir Putin. I asked Secretary Clinton about that journalistic endeavor, mm -hmm. and this is what she had to say. And then she does it in quotes. She does it in quotes. She puts journalistic endeavor in the air quotes. Seriously? So let me get this straight. If one of your people went to interview Vladimir Putin and it was going to be a highly oppositional interview, would that be journalism? How about this? How about the fact that you are one of these kinds of people who hangs out with others and you praise Volodymyr Zelensky over and over again like he's some sort of great hero? How about you don't look at the U.S. Constitution? You don't bring up any of the actual substance of the rules under which your political system is supposed to be operating and mention, hey, guess what? You know what? Some people might have a pretty good point that the United States doesn't have any constitutional power granted to it by the founders to hand out weapons to Zelensky or anybody. No. Watch the excitement on her. And, and of course, it's the mutual we're having fun at Tucker Carlson's expense. Isn't he just ridiculous? And isn't it crazy to think that people would take an interview with Vladimir Putin by Tucker Carlson seriously? And she's sitting across from Hillary Clinton. Tucker Carlson is in Moscow right now interviewing Vladimir Putin. Right. The first American, I'll say, journalist uh, to interview Putin since the war in Ukraine began. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? about Tucker Carlson and right-wing media and also Vladimir Putin? Well, it shows me what I think we've all known. He's what's called a useful idiot. I mean, if you actually read translations of what's being said on Russian media, they make fun of him. I mean, he's like a puppy dog, you know. So does she give any examples? No. 
Does she show any evidence? No. It's all just ad hominem attacks, trying to make something up, and she doesn't back it up. And watch this. Somehow, as after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with a Russian outlet because he is a useful idiot. He says things that are not true. He parrots Vladimir Putin's. Again, useful idiot says things that are not true. This is a woman who goes out talking about climate canards. This is a woman who, yes, bought into and pushed the whole idea of Iraqi weapons of mass destruction, who, when Ron Paul offered a declaration of war, overtly decided not to vote for the declaration of war, but to vote for something completely unconstitutional, a so-called authorization to use military force, a woman who knew that torture was going on in Libya before they overthrew the government of Libya because Gaddafi was allowing it to happen. They were one of the proxy states where it was happening. This woman is one of the most corrupt human beings in the history of the United States, clearly. It's unbelievable. And they're sitting down, honestly talking to her about truth and journalism. A pack of lies about Ukraine. Uh, So, okay, again, pausing it real quick. Got to dissect. What are the packs of lies? Now, if you're the journalist sitting there, you would uh, perhaps allow her to finish and say, okay, can you give the audience some examples so that they can learn about this stuff? Because we want to give an enriching conversation here. Let's give some people some takeaways that they'll find valuable that really could bolster your argument because it's so important. What are those lies about Ukraine? No, she doesn't do that. She doesn't do it at all. It's all ad hominem. It's all distraction. It's non-substantive. It has to be non-substantive because if they actually went by substance, they would actually admit that the United States was involved with the Maidan coup. The United States put in the government of Ukraine in early 2014 with the help of Victoria Nuland and Jeffrey Pyatt. All of these facts that we've been reporting, the Burisma stuff, that the the Hunter Biden laptop was for real, that Hunter Biden was put on there in order to stop Russian-Ukrainian energy exchanges that had been agreed to under Putin and the original government there in 2013. So many different things, even in specific, and I'm going to show you some examples of this because I actually wanted to bring you the information so that you can have it. It's on video and you'll see these documents. You'll see interviews with people like Scott Horton coming up that reviews some of this stuff. And previous weeks, a few months ago, we already read through the whole book, how, how the West brought war to Ukraine. Okay. This coming from a guy who read the book and compared it to stuff that I already knew because I was reporting on it while it happened. And I've written about it for years for MRC TV, right? So I would think that they would provide some information, but they're not doing so. And we're going to provide the information specifically even going into what happened after that coup in 2013 and what happened in the Donbass, because that's very, very important because they try to frame uh, Vladimir Putin's move in 2014 as the first part of the Russian aggression in Crimea, when it wasn't. It was part of a defense against the aggressive moves of the newly formed American proxy government that was connected with the Nazis that went into that area and was slaughtering people. 
So all this stuff, I've got the records, I've got the information about the bloodbaths that happened there. It's all there. People who are familiar with this issue, they can, they're conversant on it. We can discuss this stuff, right? They're not talking about this on a major news outlet. If they've got other information, I'm open to hearing it. Inform me. Be kind. Be good. Be honest and present the information. They're not interested in news. They're interested in framing and propaganda. That's what they want to do. They want to prejudice people against what might be coming from Vladimir Putin. I don't see why Putin wouldn't give him an interview because through him, he can, you know, continue to lie about what his, you know, objectives are in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, what he expects to see happen. So if you want to replace Tucker Carlson with MSNBC and Vladimir Putin with Hillary Clinton, I think we're actually seeing the truth right there. It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has, as I said, been fired so many times because he seems unable to, you know, correlate his uh, reporting with the truth. Um, but also because it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why? I don't know. I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are, you know, other Americans basically believing uh, Putin? Why did Trump believe Putin more than our 11 intelligence agencies? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have a working theory? You know, those 11 intelligence agencies that continually lied, that have members at that time had members in them like John Brennan and James Clapper, who clearly engaged in war crimes, slaughtered thousands of people, spied on people, and were so bad that people who exposed them no longer live in the United States. I'm talking about Edward Snowden, right? Those kinds of people. And she's this, this woman, Alex Wagner, is just laughing. Like she's so happy to be in the presence of this esteemed, august person. Amazing. It just blows my mind. Working theory. And, but but it's, it's, it's more than just the political partisan advantage. There is a yearning for leaders who can kill and imprison their opponents, destroy the press, uh, lead a life that is one of impunity, unbound by any laws. All right. I'm going to stop there. Before I show you some of the information that I've got ready, and I know that m- most of you already know what I've probably got prepared. If you want to bookmark this, you're watching this after the fact, hit the time code on Rumble. When you pause it, you can share it at this time. But uh, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State under Barack Obama when Barack Obama tried to use the Espionage Act against whistleblowers and journalists more times than all the other presidents combined up to the point of the passage of the Espionage Act in World War I. Okay, right? Then there's also, do people remember, do they have a memory of, oh, I don't know, this? Hillary Clinton, can't we just drone this guy? She reportedly called for the assassination of Julian Assange. 
Yeah, that's the suggestion then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton apparently offered in 2010 regarding the appropriate Obama administration response to the damage done by documents released by WikiLeaks. This isn't the first time the whistleblowing website has leaked information on the Democrat presidential hopeful, but it is the first time that the material included Clinton's suggestion for what the U.S. response should be to the editor-in-chief and founder of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange. Can't we just drone this guy, she says. And now she says that. It's, it's almost... It's almost sad. You know, it really is like looking at kids playing Calvin Ball, except Calvin and Hobbes was funny. It's like Star Trek with Fizbin, right? Where they're just making the rules up as they go. And they think that they're they're comfortable somehow. Like these this woman interviewing Hillary Clinton, they're in this bubble. They're in like the cone of silence from Get Smart. It doesn't work. But, you know, Maxwell Smart keeps thinking they got to use it. It's just so, it's insane. It's completely insane. There's no other way to mention this. They, they are upside down world. It's so clearly, easily refuted what she's saying. Her hypocrisy is so towering that all you can do is just imagine she's either insane or extremely evil. And the people who are her suck-ups just what the heck? Are you kidding me? Seriously. She said that. She literally said that. Let's watch that one more time just to reiterate in this bookmark. Here we go. And but but it's 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 more than just the political partisan advantage. There is a yearning for leaders who can kill and imprison their opponents, destroy the press. Uh, lead a life that is one of impunity, unbound by any laws. It's amazing. Has she heard of Gonzalo Lira? Did she see the video of him at the Hungarian five five kilometers from the Hungarian border before he got recaptured by the Ukrainian government? He's dead. He's dead now. He died in their custody. These are people's lives. It's just, look at her, that dreamy look. It's just crazy. There's a yearning among certain people in our country for that kind of leadership. And I find that absolutely gobsmacking terrifying. I find it gobsmacking terrifying too, Allie. And it's sort of like, we talk about, you know, disinformation on social media. Well, disinformation from people like Tucker Carlson? Are you... They don't even know what he's asked. They don't even know what the interview is. And they're saying it's disinformation. Why? Because they want to frame it. They want to prejudice people against it. And I don't even know whether this woman really even knows what she's saying. She might be one of the the complete sycophant acolytes who's just going along with it and doesn't question any of this stuff. Maybe she does. And she's involved with the absolute cover-up of the fact that, hey, guess what? We don't know what he actually said. I mean, even if you were prejudiced against Tucker Carlson, how could you, if you were at all a person of any self-respect, come out and say that, knowing you've got to go back on the air the next day and you don't know what Tucker Carlson's saying? Unless you suspect 
the kinds of questions he's going to ask and the kinds of answers that are going to pop up, and they aren't going to be popular for your narrative. And you know that you can't refute them with real facts. So instead, you impugn and malign the source beforehand. And look at this guy, Mr. Mostly Peaceful Protest. Watch this. The platform he has and the fact that, you know, he's a willing participant yeah. to and, it. And has been for a while. So he, he's been a big fan of Viktor Orban in Hungary. You yep. know, Viktor Orban comes and speaks at these events here. And Tucker Carlson goes and does the show from Hungary. So Viktor Orban, if you remember, Viktor Orban just recently had a fight with the EU saying he didn't want his Hungarian government's contributions to the EU going. First, he didn't want any money going to, to Ukraine, but then he was going to lose that. And he said, okay, then if you're going to take our stuff, can I get an agreement that it, our, our stuff won't be going to Ukraine if the EU is going to be? So it's kind of fungible in a way. Uh, and the EU is massively bankrupt anyway. Uh, but um, yeah, so they're critical of Viktor Orban just because he, he wants to stay out of it. Amazing. It's amazing. They're such warmongers that they can't even understand. It was like Abraham Lincoln. You know, when he, he arrested the representative body of what was it, Maryland or Delaware, just because they were going to be neutral. He, he tried to arrest them. And when a Supreme Court justice said, no, you can't do that, you can't arrest them and hold them without habeas, then he tried to lift the writ of habeas himself. And then he tried to arrest the Supreme Court justice, Abraham Lincoln. These people that just, it's a, it's a completely different dimension. He talked before the war came out about how we shouldn't be in bed with Ukraine because it's a, he called it a corrupt little country. Ukraine had a corruption problem. There's no problem and no question. And when it emerges from this war, they'll have to fix that because they'll be under the watchful eye of the rest of the world. It's not a reason for getting invaded by Russia. Uh, Do you see how he minimizes this stuff? It was, it was corrupt. No, no. Mr. Velshi, it, it, that's like saying it was a mostly peaceful protest with the library on fire behind you. You stuffed shirt person. It's just incredible. Let's offer something to him if he ever sees this video. Here's a little bit of information. The evidence of Ukrainian war crimes in Donbass. The OSCE Secretariat bears no responsibility for the content of this document. Here is from 16th of March, 2023, the form of security cooperation distributed at the request of the Russian Federation. Evidence of Ukrainian war crimes in Donbass. Let me enlarge this for you so you can see it a little bigger. The Foundation for the Study of Democracy published this. The data that has been accumulated since the first report by the Foundation for Democracy Studies provides grounds to conclude that torture and inhumane treatment inflicted by the Security Forces of Ukraine, SBU, by the Ukrainian Armed Forces, the National Guard, and other formations within the Interior Ministry of Ukraine have not only continued, but are gaining in scale and becoming systemic. This is years ago, folks. Okay. The prisoners were electrocuted, beaten cruelly, and for multiple days in a row with different objects, iron bars, baseball bats, sticks, rifle butts, bayonet knives, rubber batons. Techniques widely used by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces, including waterboarding, 
hello, George W. Bush, strangling with a banderist garrote, and other types of strangling. In some cases, prisoners, for the purposes of intimidation, were sent to minefields and run over with military vehicles. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy Live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Lockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Gard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at MRCTV.org, which led to their death. Other torture methods used by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces include bone crashing, uh, maybe they mean crushing, stabbing and cutting with a knife, branding with red-hot objects, shooting different body parts with small arms, the prisoners taken captive by the Ukrainian armed forces and security forces are kept for days at freezing temperatures with no access to food or medical assistance and are often forced to take psychotropic substances that cause agony. An absolute majority of prisoners are put through mock firing squads and suffer death and rape threats to their families. Again, this was released on the 16th of March, 2023. Oh, but it goes back farther than that, of course. So let's offer a little something to Mr. Velshi from Scott Horton. My friend, good guy, antiwar.com, Libertarian Institute. Here we go. And I guess based on this and studying history, you would have some concern that the current conflict escalates again based on poor decision-making. I got to tell you, man, I think... I, I do see a lot of just childishness, you know, like we talked about Neville Chamberlain having his own little nervous breakdown and calling this terrible shot. I think we see a lot of that, uh, you know, um, skipping way ahead in our story here. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden held, this is what they call it. He held the Ukraine brief when he was the vice president under Barack Obama. I mean, he was in charge of Ukraine policy. Well, he was in on the coup, and we know he was because we got Robert Kagan's wife, Victoria Nuland, the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, on the phone saying, I just talked to Jake Sullivan, and he said the vice president's willing, and we're going to get Biden on the phone on a conference call with the participants in the overthrow here to give them an attaboy and make sure that the deets stick. So she's really running Biden's errand as she's plotting the coup d'etat with Jeffrey Pyatt on the phone, caught red-handed. Two weeks before the coup, they did it anyway. Back to the point, though. Think Joe Biden can ever admit that, even, I guess, to his homeboys at the table, like late at night, 
hey, this is like a little bit our fault, right? Like we kind of push it. They're never going to do that. You know, Condoleezza Rice is on TV saying, I think Vladimir Putin might be mentally ill now. Oh, he's mentally ill, huh? He woke up on the wrong side of the bed in the morning, did he? He's got a personal problem. South Park, it was funny, but they said, oh, well, he's 55 and his uh, Johnson doesn't work quite as well as he used to. So now he's trying to recreate his youth from the 1980s and start the Cold War back up. It's a funny joke, but that's not what's going on here. It's not a Cold these people, War. These people have said, well, sure, it is a Cold War, um, but it sure doesn't have to be. But, I mean, to, be, to cut right to the chase, the Russians have said in the most plain Russian over and over for two decades running and a half that we have some serious security concerns. You guys keep expanding your military alliance and you keep telling us not to mind, but we can't help but notice that your military alliance is getting right up into our front yard here. And we have these security concerns. We'd like to be taken seriously, please. And they've been saying this and saying this and saying this. And you look at Putin's declaration of war, you know, on CNN, they play it on mute in the background while they talk over it. And he just looks mad. But I mean, again, with the Hitler at the podium ranting thing, why not go ahead and give us the subtitles and tell us what he's saying, man? It's a secret. Remember after September 11th? Well, I don't know if they did this over there where you're from. Here, after September 11th, Bin Laden put out his letter to America and they wouldn't play it. They wouldn't tell, they wouldn't print it in the newspaper and, and show the American people what it said because it has secret messages in it that'll activate his sleeper cells. And make them kill you and your mama. And so we can't let the American people even hear Osama bin Laden one time say, here's my list of grievances. Bill Clinton's killing Iraqis from bases in Saudi and it's making me ornery. Do you understand? I mean, I just said that to you and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what the average person would have made sense too. Like we all hate Bill Clinton. You're telling me you hate Bill Clinton. That's why he knocked the towers down. That's pretty drastic. But we could understand hating Bill Clinton, you know, so they wouldn't let us know. They, same thing here. Here's pictures of Vladimir Putin looking like a real tough guy or a real Bond villain or a real psycho madman or a you know, really cranky guy. Read the text of the thing. He goes, you know what? We're really concerned that if you put these missiles here, that their flight time to Moscow would only be eight and a half minutes. So you see. I mean, does that sound like irrational raving or it sounds like a guy who's concerned about possible missile installations? And people say that that's just, you know, like a red herring. Like he's just bringing that up as an excuse. But again, they've been saying the same thing for 20 years that you guys are really pushing your luck with this whole military alliance. Well, there was an agreement not to be released. And let me go back to the history in one second, but let me make one more sort of metaphysical point before I do first. You hear this all the time. Well, how come Ukraine doesn't have the right to join whatever military alliance they want? You hear that every day, all day. Well, just think about that. Is that really true? Does anyone think for a minute that Canada and Mexico have the right to join into a military alliance with Russia and China? Or is that absolutely preposterous? And that, in fact, America would do a regime change in Mexico City or Ottawa in about a day and a half if they even began to consider it, you know, let the Chinese arm up the Mexicans, build military bases, build naval bases in Mexico, threaten San Diego. 
America would go to nuclear war with China for even trying it. And you know it, and everybody listening to this show right now knows it. Well, there's history in this. Of course. We wouldn't let them put missiles in Cuba. We went to war. You know, the, the, the absolute just butchery slaughter of the peasants of El Salvador in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Because Ronald Reagan said, don't you know that El Salvador is just a day's drive from Harlingen, Texans? Like, yeah, El Salvador is going to invade Texas. But there's some commies down there, and we got to cut their mothers and sisters and innocent grandparents to pieces with machetes, apparently. It's not fair, but those are the breaks, right? This is a small country in the shadow of a major nuclear weapons state, right? And that's the easiest way to think about it. Ukraine is Russia's Canada. We will tolerate the independence of Canada as long as it remains a friend of ours. The moment Russia or some other power, the lost continent of Atlantis, or someone else tries to steal Canada away from us, America will go to war. Everybody knows that. It's the same thing here. To push the analogy further, and we'll get caught up on the history. But this is really the analogy. This is really what we're talking about. Not just building a military alliance more abstract. But how about if the Russians had won the Cold War, had incorporated all Western Europe into the Warsaw Pact, and then started working on Latin America, and then they came for Canada. And when the people of Canada voted wrong, the Russians did a coup d'etat twice in 10 years and overthrew the government in Ottawa. And the second time they used a bunch of Hitler loving Nazis in the street to do it in a violent street putsch. They overthrow the government in Ottawa and immediately the new regime starts threatening to kick America out of its naval bases in Alaska. And then it goes to war against the people of British Columbia in Vancouver who refuse to accept the new coup junta. All the while the Russians are sending in billions of dollars worth of weapons to arm up the new Canadian government that they've installed in power here. What do you think would happen then? I know what would happen. We'd nuke Moscow is what would happen. Well, I don't know if that would happen. We'd yeah, maybe do, I'm pretty sure. We'd maybe do what uh, Russia's doing now. They would enter into Canada and at the very least. Their borders. And, and, and they sure as hell would not have let the war in Vancouver go on for eight years before they rolled their tanks in either. But Scott, and yet Vladimir Putin, who's supposedly the most dangerous psychopath on the planet, who'll cut your throat if you just look at him funny. He's supposed to just sit there and take it, no matter what. And we are supposed to expect that what's he going to do about it is a good enough answer for what he might do about it, like go to war. And this is what Ron Paul said to Rudy Giuliani in the world-famous Giuliani moment about it was Bill Clinton's policy in Iraq, bombing Iraq from bases in Saudi is what Gaza attacked on September 11th. And in that, he says, listen, if we think we can just go around the world doing whatever we want and there will be no consequences from that. We do that at our own peril because, of course, that's not true. There, in fact, will be consequences. And it's just the blindest way of looking at things. And again, back to this being in great measure Joe Biden's fault. In fact, you know, as I've been saying to people, look, because I'm no partisan, I think, you know, this is Bill Clinton, W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump and Joe Biden's fault. But when I say Joe Biden, I don't just mean President Biden. 
Biden was the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the U.S. Senate, or I guess he was vice chair under the Republicans in the 1990s. He was chair under W. Bush. He was the greatest champion of NATO expansion during that entire time. Under Obama, he was riding shotgun, vice president. Again, pushed all of these same policies and again, held the brief was we know directly involved in the coup in 2014. So the only time that Joe Biden hasn't been calling the shots on our Ukraine policy was under Donald Trump. And even then, a bunch of our Ukraine policy was caught up in him and his son's corruption. Because why did that gas company, Burisma, hired, hire Hunter Biden? It was because they were in tight with the government that Joe Biden had overthrown. So they were worried that the new government was going to be hard on them. So did they hire like a relative of the new regime? No, they went straight for the son of the vice president of the United States who was in on the coup and we all knew it because it was on the leaked phone call. They went straight for his son and bought him up for a million dollars as an insurance policy to protect their company from being prosecuted by the new government, which is exactly what happened. And Joe Biden intervened and threatened to withhold a billion dollars in aid from Ukraine unless they would fire the prosecutor who was looking into the company. And all the fact checkers will say that's not true because all those investigations were already closed down. But that's not true. Matt Taibbi did the work and knows Russian and made the calls and did a real investigation, wrote a great report on this, where there were multiple different criminal investigations against Marisma at that time, many of which were still ongoing. So those fact checkers are just going off of what somebody claimed in the post one time that they all just repeat, but that doesn't make it true. So um, in other words, Joe Biden has been involved, absolutely is up past his eyeballs in responsibility for every bit of this policy for 25 years now. So now he's going to sit there and give a speech where he goes, guys, I blew it. I told you not to worry. The Russians aren't going to react. It'll be fine. And I was wrong. For 30 years, I was wrong. Somehow got elected president anyway. And here we are. Nope, he's not going to do that. And Bill Clinton's not going to do that. And W. Bush and Connelly's Rice are not going to do that. I mean, Donald Trump might just because he doesn't even know his own record on Russia, I guess. But um, so that is back to your real question about could we blunder into a real conflict here like the world wars? that are, you know, widely kind of construed to have been blundered into. I think, yes. I think that like, look at right now, as we're recording this, Antony Blinken is not in Geneva negotiating with Sergei Lavrov. They're not even talking to him. They told the New York Times, we're not even talking to him. Well, who are you talking to each other? You're not talking to the Russians. You're not trying to stop the war. They're not trying to stop the war. Yeah, of course they're not. And uh, that will tie into uh, this is a year old, by the way, uh, as you can see, that will tie into our conversation about the so-called border bill. And uh, we will reiterate what Glenn Greenwald had to say about it actually being a, a complete beard for more military industrial complex spending. And if you follow my Twitter feed, everybody, I want to give you one more item here that I think you might find valuable. Go over to my at guard Goldsmith Twitter profile x profile and you'll see right underneath what i just retweeted from jason barker which is an excellent insight i'll read that in just a minute um i've got this piece here and this comes from actually the world socialist site but i want to show this to you right here this is from may of 2022 almost around the same time that they recorded that great video 
French media documents war crimes by NATO-backed Ukrainian neo-Nazi militias. Again, I have shown you video and, and photographs of Joe Biden and Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar and um, John McCain uh, being in the same room, shaking hands with, being on stage with members of overtly Nazi political elements in Ukraine as they started to put together the new government that would be America-friendly and not Russia-friendly in early 2014. This, again, after the United States already illegally was involved in overthrowing the government that had just been elected the year before. This is all very clear. It's all documented. It's irrefutable. It's all there. Hillary Clinton had left the Obama administration after she was involved with the overthrow of Libya. And, of course, they tried to overthrow Syria. That's what Benghazi was about. Benghazi was supposed to be a weapons transfer place. They were going to take a lot of the weapons that they had given to the Libyan uh, rebels, and they were going to have them shipped up to Syria to people like those in the Al-Nusra Front, with whom John McCain is photographed in Turkey or Jordan. Not sure. I think it was Turkey uh, before they went into Syria. And, of course the United States has been occupying a third of that nation and playing with various elements there. As long as they're friendly to the United States, they're A-OK. Just like Al-Qaeda was. As long as they're friendly to the United States, it's A-OK. They're Mujahideen then, and everything's fine. Here's a little something about war crimes from the neo-Nazi militias that were supported by that government that the United States put together, thanks to Victoria Newland, Jeffrey Pyatt, and, of course, the friends of Joe and Hillary Clinton and John Kerry. Devastating eyewitness reports are revealing the broad scope of war crimes by Ukrainian neo-Nazi militias armed by NATO against Russia. They expose the criminal character of the U.S. NATO war on Russia. This is from 24th of May by Alex Lantier. The U.S. NATO war on Russia and the pro-war propaganda of the entire French political establishment. These revelations, and by the way, don't forget, if you crack into the WikiLeaks email releases of the uh, Hillary Clinton emails, you'll see, and you can find them, you'll see her communications about how good it would be to overthrow the government of Libya, not only because Gaddafi was going to be starting a pan-African gold-based currency, but, but because the French government wanted him out of there. She said, oh, the French president is going to, I'm paraphrasing now, but you'll find it in one of the emails. French president is going to love this, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I think we get it. Those revelations come from reports on France's sued radio by Adrien Bouquet, a handicapped former French soldier who traveled to Ukraine during the war as a medic and from Le Monde. This newspaper's analysis of a video, which was widely seen on social media but initially dismissed by the media as Russian propaganda, supports Bouquet's eyewitness statements. Le Monde is politically close to President Emmanuel Macron and, like the rest of the official press, has supported NATO against Russia and Ukraine. Yet, on May 16th, it confirmed the authenticity of a video published on social media showing Ukrainian militiamen firing rifles into the knees of Russian prisoners of war who were tied up and defenseless. This took place on March 25th in the village of Malon Rohan near Kharkov. 
According to Luan, this video was made while a unit of the Ukrainian army and three far-right nationalist militias, the Azov Battalion, Freikor, and Slobozhanjrykna Battalion, took Malorohan from Russian troops. Indri Yanolenko, the leader of the Slobo, remember the Sloboda party, the Slobozhanjrykna Battalion is visible and identifiable in the video. In other videos, Lamont found on Ian Holenko's social media accounts, he publishes the traditional slogan of the Ukrainian fascist, Glory to Ukraine, and poses with the three Russian prisoners of war shot in the March 25th video. Lamond thus reluctantly admitted the authenticity of a video previously dismissed by French and NATO media as Russian propaganda. Sort of like the Hunter Biden laptop. It's all easily verifiable. It's right in your face. I wonder what Mr. Velshi will, will say about that in his subsequent reporting after the Tucker Carlson interview. I doubt he'll say anything. About the Azov Battalion the flag of which bears the Wolf's Angel symbol of the Nazi SS division Das Reich that committed crimes against humanity in Ukraine and France during World War II. Bouquet said, quote, there are 20,000 men spread here, there, and everywhere with their super neo-Nazi logo across Ukraine, but it doesn't seem to bother anyone, and they are getting weapons from Europe. He added, quote, you know what they talked about in front of me, because I understand a bit of Ukrainian and Russian, and many of them spoke English? They would crack up, saying that if they ran across Jews or black people, they would cut them up. That is what they talked about, and it really gave them a good laugh. Bouquet stated that the March 25th torturing of Russian troops by the head of the Slobozhansknya Battalion is in fact a regular practice of Ukrainian far-right militias against Russian prisoners. He said, quote, I saw captured Russian soldiers who had already been really roughed up and who were tied up. We were in a sort of hangar, and the captured Russian soldiers were arriving in little vans in groups of three or four. Each time they made the soldiers get out of the vans, the Azov fighters would ask, who are the officers? Who are the officers? Each soldier who got out of the van got a bullet to the knee from an assault rifle, whereas they were defenseless and tied up. I have videos showing this. Otherwise, I would not allow myself to make such allegations showing Russian soldiers getting bullets in the knee. And the ones who unfortunately decided to say, I am an officer, they got a bullet in the head. And there's a lot more. These, these revelations vindicate the warnings made by the World Socialist website on the U.S.-NATO war against Russia in Ukraine and the close ties between NATO and the far-right Ukrainian regime ever since the NATO-backed putsch in Kiev in 2014. Not only Washington, but also Paris and the other major European imperialist powers who are pouring billions of euros in weapons into the Ukrainian army and neo-Nazi militias are using neo-Nazis to wage a dirty war against Russia. Oh, but Mr. Belshi says, oh, there's some corruption there. Unbelievable. You can find that just tweeted at my Twitter slash X feed. I also want to mention Jason Barker's comment 
Excellent comment. And there's one that I have sort of attached to that has to do with Kathy Hochul. Insurrection, definition, a violent uprising against an authority or government. Hmm. Our government has uprose. They've engaged in an uprising against its authority, the people. They are serving their interests in the interests of foreign elites instead of us. Are all politicians guilty of insurrection? Well, the polis is an insurrection. That's for sure. Thanks, Jason. Good stuff. So now I want to give you a couple other quick items, everybody. And for that, I want to turn to one more theme. It actually encompasses a couple things. It's our one of our war themes, but it also encompasses the so-called immigration debate, because that immigration bill that they just pushed wasn't really an immigration bill at all. Again, this is coming from an anarchist, a guy who also notes that the Constitution doesn't mention the word immigration in it. Uh, but it was a beard. The, uh, the border thing was a beard that was actually for further expansion of the warfare welfare state for international weapons smuggling. There's plenty more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Find us every Monday through Friday on Rockfin, Rumble, and Twitter starting 6 p.m. Eastern Time, live. Free Talk Live. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Guard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at mrctv.org. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency made for spending. You can pay your bills with Dash at spritz.finance. Plus, they can send dollars to your bank if you still need those for something. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org. So let's hear from Time Zone. All right, everybody, let's get right to that story right away. And I want to give this to you uh, very rapidly. I hope that I've been doing a very good job in moving from one thing to the next and presenting the chunks, giving you the information, making it stark visual in your face so that you can find it if you scroll through so that you can time it, you can time code it, send it out to people. These are, I think, essential times to be sharing information, and I really appreciate it. I'm going to go into the Rockfin chat and the Rumble chat as well in just a minute. So if there is something that you posted and I've missed it and you want me to see it again, just retype it or copy and paste it. 
And uh, I want to thank you for being here as well. I really, really appreciate it. So I uh, just wanted to uh, go into this one just quickly, okay? So here is the latest wrinkle, again, in the ugly, ugly face of Washington, D.C. Senate votes to advance Ukraine-Israel package after border deal fails. Yes, what a shock. This one from Liz Goodwin. I know, I know, Mitch. How could we ever have thought you really just wanted to make sure that you'd get weapons to Israel and Ukraine and the border didn't have anything to do with it? I know it's almost like the Speaker of the House already told us that basically the first day he got into office in his position there. A bill that would send billions in aid to key U.S. allies. Are they are they helping you in some way? Are they your ally? Oh, no, that's right. It's all political. It's the state, which is your enemy. They're your enemy. All states are the enemies of free peoples. Because states don't operate on freedom. They operate on the opposite of freedom. They operate on enslavement. The political system is another word for slavery. That's all. That's all. That's all. That's all. I can't say it enough. Yes, they uh, surmounted a procedural hurdle on Wednesday after more than a dozen Republicans voted to consider the legislation. I know you must be shocked as well, right? I Yeah, I would never have expected that. <laughs> you mean Fat Albert got another burger? No way. The move marked a surprising turnaround on an issue that had faced GOP opposition for months because it didn't contain border reforms. Well, thank goodness they got rid of that sticky part of it, huh? They're actually tearing off the mask like beneath the planet of the apes. I now reveal my inmost self to my maker. The winnow down bill, you know, it's winnowed down now, includes more than $60 billion in aid for Ukraine as it fends off a Russian invasion. Ah, don't want to go in any context there. Could hate to do that especially with Tucker now getting ready to release his interview with Vladimir Putin. Got to keep portraying it as only Russian invasion. It started at year 33. There was no Christian life in any way whatsoever. That was the date that everything started. And $14 billion for Israel in its war in Gaza, you know, and it's a continued expansion and has long been a top national. Oh, they said war in Gaza. They didn't mention the ICJ determination that it was genocide. They could they have said fourteen billion for Israel's genocide in Gaza? Yes, they could have, but they didn't, did they? No. But anyway, it's good to know they're taking our money and our progeny's money to fund genocide. And has long been a top national security priority for President Biden, who asked for the funds last October. He took a break from sniffing people's hair. The vote to proceed sets up what will likely be days of debate on foreign aid after Senator Rand Paul declared he would slow the process to ensure every minute of procedural time is used. Majority Leader Charles E. Schumer said the Senate would stay in session until the job is done. That And uh, by job, he doesn't mean actually adhering to the Constitution. No, of course he doesn't. Biden has been stymied by congressional Republicans who demanded strict border reforms by attached uh, that they would be attached to aid for allies in exchange for GOC support. But Republicans banded together to block the larger package that included the very border reforms they demanded earlier Wednesday. That's right. 
That's right, because Mitch McConnell never supported the money that would go into the border stuff. He only wanted to use that as grease to try to get the weapons packages passed. That's what it was about. And by the way, on the immigration stuff, here's another quick update for you. This one coming from Microsoft and their wonderful Newsweek connections. I got to make this smaller. Hold on a second. Uh, There we go. Okay, here it is. White House plan to reduce ICE deportations sparks fury. All right. Here it is. I'll give you the uh, the little, uh, what do they call those, infographics with music behind them, stuff like that. Here it is. So it says here, senior Republicans reacted with fury after White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said U.S. Immigration and Customs Enf- Enforcement would what? Huh? What? I'll just go with it this way. Would be forced to reduce its removal operations after GOP leaders didn't pass the package. They spoke out against a bipartisan immigration and foreign aid agreement. So, quote, because congressional Republicans are choosing partisan politics over our national security and refusing to pass the bipartisan national security agreement that includes significant border reforms and funding over the coming weeks, ICE will be forced to reduce operations because of budget shortfalls. Ah, remember how I said they were portraying the uh, Department of Homeland Security as having budget cuts? And then I actually showed you how the budget has never gone down for the Department of Homeland Security since it was started under George W. Bush. Yeah. Um, Again, they're trying to claim that they're cuts. They're not cuts. They're just not getting the money that they want in an expansion to the size of the expansion that they want. That's all. They're saying that they're expected cuts. Well, either they're not managing the money that they're going to be getting in additional funds or They're expecting so many more funds. They were expecting to hire more people and they're not going to hire them now. And they're claiming those are cuts. But whichever one it is, they're going to get more money one way or the other. They've already been getting more money every year. There have never been any cuts to DHS ever since it started. So anybody who claims that is lying to you or stupid or both. And so either way, they're giving you faulty information. But as I mentioned, and tying that into what Glenn Greenwald had said, He said this bill was all about defense contracting, as we have seen now with this new proposal where they've removed that beard of the border stuff. And they're bald-facedly just saying, oh, yeah, we just want to send weapons to Israel and Ukraine. Of course, right? Even though Israel has been substantively said that it is engaging in genocide, the United States is going to continue to give them weapons. I don't get it. I don't understand. And, of course, it's not constitutional or moral anyway. But. What I think is quite interesting here is that other side of it, which is that they are using the border stuff and they're claiming that they're going to be providing this border security when, as I mentioned yesterday, the various governors of various states have been looking forward to getting a lot of money for them to get bailed out because they have been accepting all the migrants. So remember this one. From yesterday that I read, if you scroll down here a little bit past the picture of Governor Maura Healey from Massachusetts, there she is. There you go. The $118 billion deal that got shot down. 
a bipartisan of groups of senators put forward on Sunday would throw billions of dollars at border security, overhaul the asylum process, and give the president the authority to shut down the southern border once crossing reaches a certain threshold, which means, of course, the flip side, he can't do that. Now, he's not supposed to have the constitutional power. He doesn't have any constitutional power over it unless states ask him, according to Article 4, Section 4, but they don't care about that stuff. But this is the key part. It included this. I'm changing the uh, the tense on this because this bill is now defunct. It included several key provisions that Democrat mayors and governors have been advocating for, such as speeding up work authorizations for asylum seekers and funneling $1.4 billion into a program that sends money to local governments and nonprofit sheltering nonprofits that are sheltering migrants. Those funds are sorely needed in Massachusetts. So again, just like the defense contractors, just like the politicians know where their bread is buttered with the defense contractors, they're pushing through that stuff. And of course, a major part of what they weren't discussing in most of the pop news, these are only a couple paragraphs. And I had to look for these because I knew that they were in there somewhere. So I had to go through a bunch of different articles until I finally found it confirmed my suspicions. Yeah, a bunch of the money is going to be going or was going to be going to various local and state politicians who then could help the national politicians get elected. Now, one of the reasons I'm very sensitive to that, as I mentioned, is because I live in New Hampshire and I can see how closely the New Hampshire politicians, because of the first in the nation status, work with the national politicians in the various parties to perpetuate that because it brings a lot of money to to New Hampshire media. It gets New Hampshire a lot of business in hotels and restaurants. It's a big deal every four years for the presidential primary. So I know the way that that system works very, very clearly. I grew up in that system. And you can apply that in cookie cutter ways to the military bases, to the money they're giving out, to the so-called cities and towns with the border immigrant problems and all that stuff, to the defense industry. It's all part of that so-called gravy train, as I brought up. Now, I want to show you something else, however, that has to do with Kathy Hochul. We saw her in the picture a little bit earlier, and I want to show you this one. Uh, Let me see here, New York. Here it is. This is a just new story about Curtis Lewa. You probably know the Guardian Angels, Curtis Slewa as a young guy. Uh, they started vigilante uh, groups in New York that would start to uh, police the streets because the police weren't doing a good enough job. What was that in the late 70s, early 80s? They had the Red Berets and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, a lot of people locally like them. Uh, some left-wingers really don't like them. Curtis Slewa has done uh, sort of Republican radio broadcasting for a while. And um, uh, on the whole, they haven't been accused of a lot of terrible stuff. They've had some occasional errors with one or two members, I believe. But uh, most most local people I know down there who are more right wing, they like them a lot. Well, here is the latest. Now, this has to do with the immigration thing. It has to do with one blip of something that happened live on the air in New York. And Kathy Hochul is sounding off on it, but there's something that she said, and I want to bring this up to you real quick about this immigration thing, okay? And it has to do more generally with the philosophical point that I want to bring up for the whole show. This is one of the big, you know, draw out lessons, the long-term lessons I want to bring up here, okay? So it says here, Curtis Slewa, the former Republican candidate for mayor of New York, is facing criticism from Governor Kathy Hochul, Democrat of New York, after his vigilante safety patrol, the Guardian Angels, detained and headlocked 
a man they claimed was a migrant and shoplifting suspect, whom the police now say was neither. And by the way, look at that report, who the police now say was neither. It's whom. It's an object preposition, not a subject preposition. For goodness sake. It's just, the writers, it's just, it's amazing how how bad they are. Key facts. Curtis Sliwa was being interviewed by Fox News host Sean Hannity on Tuesday about the ongoing migrant crisis in New York City when the group he oversees, the Guardian Angels, appeared to detain a man on air whom they claimed was a migrant and a shoplifting suspect, an incident that drew controversy after the NYPD contradicted his claims about the man. This is Kathy Hochul. Quote, you cannot take the law into your own hands, Hochul said on CNN this morning on Thursday. Okay. Remember when I talked about sending, let me just make sure this focus is good here. Uh, remember when I talked about sending the pamphlet by Frederick Bostier to Charlton Heston, the Bostier pamphlet called The Law, which I hope, Everyone I meet reads that. It is absolutely beautiful. It's essential. It's wonderful. And in it, he distinguishes between natural law from God and statute. Kathy Hochul, let's look at that quote again. You cannot take the law into your own hands. This is a lesson for the ages right here. That is what the state does. It is the state. People filling these offices, gangs, taking the law into your own hands. That is what the state does. That is the definition of the polis. Taking natural law and under color of natural law, claiming it can do what it wants. The very thing she's accusing Curtis Lewa of doing That's what she does. And there is no arguing that. She has taken the law into her own hands. And the people who vote for her, the people who support the state, the people who want to steer the state, however they want it steered, are taking the law into their own hands. But it's not natural law. Because the minute they seize that power, they have broken God's law. The minute they think that they can control another person through aggressive violence and the power of the state to create its laws, they are trying to usurp God's laws. This is inarguable. If it's involuntary, it's a crime. It's aggressive. It's the taking of law into your own hands. And whether you have 10 people who voted for it or a thousand people or a million people, you have taken the law into your own hands. That's what the state does. There's no difference between what Curtis Sliwa did and what Kathy Hochul does. The only thing is that Curtis Sliwa isn't forcing people to pay for it. So if Curtis Sliwa doesn't make any mistakes and his group 
always gets people who are infringing on other people's rights, then they are a peaceful entity and they're operating by God's law. The ones who are not are the ones who assume that they can break God's law and steal from people and push them around and say as an excuse that it's for their own good. Curtis Lewa doesn't do that. So when it comes to moral culpability, one person is a priori already guilty of assuming that she can have control over others. Not Curtis Lewa. That's for darn sure. So if they make an error, it's just like you making an error somewhere, making amends person to person. The state incorporates everybody and forces them to pay for it. It is a perpetual criminal entity. It exists with the assumption that it can steal from you and take from you. So going from that over into the uh, other part of this, the war part, since I played, uh, you know, time zone, because the bill originally had war and border stuff mixed in. I want to play you some good stuff from Dave DeCamp of Anti-War to give you some information, some updates about what's going on with, you know, the nation states that the government is funding or the nation states that the U.S. government is attacking. All right, the first story at the top of antiwar.com today, the U.S. kills a high-ranking Kateb Hezbollah commander. So a U.S. drone strike targeting a vehicle in Baghdad on Wednesday killed three members of Kiteb Hezbollah, including a high-ranking a high-ranking commander. And this is the latest U.S. escalation in Iraq. So Kiteb Hezbollah, we've been covering them quite a bit lately. They're a Shia militia in Iraq. They're one of the big, bigger militias, um, and they are part of the Popular Mobilization Forces, which is a coalition of Iraqi militias that was founded in 2014 to fight ISIS. Kateb Hezbollah has been around since 2003, since the U.S. invasion of Iraq. But the PMF, which is part of Iraq's security forces, part of the Iraqi military, and that's who the U.S. is uh, killing and and bombing here. Um, So a PMF official identified the slain Kateb Hezbollah commander as Abu Bakir al-Sadi, and U.S. Central Command released a statement confirming that the U.S. was behind the drone strike. When this news first broke, it wasn't clear. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that it was a U.S. drone strike, but there wasn't any comment from the U.S. at the time. So CENTCOM said the assassination was in response to attacks on U.S. troops in the region. The command claimed that al Saadi was responsible for attacks on U.S. troops. CENTCOM said that its forces, quote, conducted a unilateral strike in Iraq in response to the attacks on U.S. service members, killing a Kateb Hezbollah commander responsible for directly planning and participating in attacks on U.S. forces in the region, end quote. And of course, you know, they're not going to show us any evidence of these allegations. We're just supposed to take the U.S. military's word for it. And this drone strike has outraged a lot of people inside Iraq, and it sparked protests near the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, Exactly. So imagine if uh, you're walking down Main Street in your town and a building gets blown up 
and some foreign government says, oh, yeah, we just blew up an enemy of our country there. They have, you know, they don't they don't ask for extradition. And uh, you find out that, you know, there are thousands of their foreign troops a couple towns away from you. That's Iraq. That's the United States presence in Iraq. There's plenty more Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. Find us every Monday through Friday on Rockfin, Rumble, and Twitter starting 6 p.m. Eastern Time, live. Free Talk Live. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Gardner Goldsmith, and you can watch Liberty Conspiracy live each Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, Rockfin, and my Twitter slash X at Gard Goldsmith. It's G-A-R-D Goldsmith. You also can visit my Substack, Gardner Goldsmith, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and find my articles on economics and breaking news at mrctv.org. Um, but anyway, another important detail about that, that original rocket attack that killed the American contractor, there was never any evidence that it was, you know, the U.S. never showed evidence that it was Kateb Hezbollah. Could have been them, but it also, uh, Scott Horton interviewed an Iraqi journalist at the time, and Iraq's intelligence said that it was more likely ISIS. It was in an area where ISIS was still active, um, so it could have been ISIS. Um uh, Anyways, but that's what really started the, the the series of escalations that led to the U.S. killing Soleimani. Um, Amazing stuff. Okay, now, a couple other things, uh, but I want to turn to Rockfin Chat and uh, uh, just briefly just check in and say hi. I know some people have been in and out and, you know, great stuff. Comments from people about any of these subjects. And I'm going to round things off by going back to the uh, Russian uh, Tucker Carlson thing. and. Um, Let's see. Uh, oh, I appreciate that, Carlos Rex. Thumbs up for guard. Uh, easy. Come on, everyone. Appreciate that. Taylor Saunders, thank you. And TC is there, Tom Cooper. Love it, love it, love it. Awesome stuff, you guys. Harry Hart, thank you for being in Rockfin. And if you're watching on Twitter slash X, thanks for doing so. And, of course, feel free to join any of these good folks there. Uh, Freegan had a couple of really good comments uh, inside uh, Rumble Chat, along with uh, John John, 1976. He says, I remember Curtis Leo when he first started the Guardian Angels. I remember that, too. Yeah, and, you know, he had been a roughneck kind of kid and changed his ways. And um, uh, then we've got, um, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Birdhouse Blues juggling guard i thought when the ussr collapsed we would become best of pals with the new russian federation <laughs> yeah oh boy i'll tell you just uh I, again it sounds like ronnie dangerfield oh i'll tell you yeah yeah it's rough being me yeah, you know you think you're gonna have friends in russia it turns out you gotta suck up to them and start spouting off a, oh no wait sorry about that i'm in israel that's right if you want to be CNN, you got to keep spouting the uh, the Zionist line. Ah, hmm. Unbelievable. Um, okay. Uh, this is just a little bit more here that I think uh, I, I want to play you from 
uh, from uh, Dave DeCamp about Saudi Arabia and United States position with Israel. And uh, uh, I think you'll find this uh, pretty valuable. So let me check this out for you. Bring bring the, that window back up. Here we go. All right. So the next one here, Saudi Arabia rebukes U.S. comments on Israel normalization. So Saudi Arabia released a statement on Wednesday rebuking a U.S. comment on the possibility of Israel-Saudi normalization. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. received positive feedback during talks with Saudi Arabia about a normalization deal with Israel. But Riyadh released a statement rejecting his comments and saying that the kingdom would normalize with Israel only if the Palestinians get a state. So this statement says, quote, regarding the discussions between the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the United States of America on the Arab-Israeli peace process, and in light of what has been attributed to the UN, to the, sorry, to the U.S. National Security Council spokesperson, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs affirms that the position of Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has always been steadfast on the Palestinian issue and the necessity that the brotherly Palestinian people obtain their legitimate rights. The kingdom has communicated its firm position to the U.S. administration that there will be no diplomatic relations with Israel unless an independent Palestinian state is recognized on the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as its capital and that the Israeli aggression on the Gaza Strip stops and all Israeli occupation forces withdraw from the Gaza Strip. End End quote. Yes. And uh, so, again, we see John Kirby not playing very fairly with the truth. So that stated, everybody, I'm going to be getting ready to wrap things up and I'll go into the environmental uh, uh, climate stuff in a little bit. But I do want to give you a little something nice and fun. Good stuff from, of course, our pal Buster Poindexter. Good stuff from David Johansson, of course, Buster Poindexter. So I want to give you this, and we'll I'll repeat this tomorrow, uh, but I think it's it's an enjoyable little bit. Uh, so let me give it to you here. Uh, this one, eco-zealots, this is from the Daily Mail, eco-zealots who obstruct traffic will be rapidly dragged away by police under law changes that will make it easier for officers to remove human roadblocks. Okay. Now, at first blush, a lot of people are going to be very happy about this. But I want to sort of sort of flip the narrative here and just again get into the economics of anarchy and start to start to start to describe how there's a bit of a moral quandary here. So again, David Barrett writes this opinion piece. Says eco zealots who block the roads will be rapidly dragged away by police under changes in the law unveiled today. James cleverly will close a legal loophole which currently allows traffic obstructing protesters to dodge arrest. The Home Secretary will bring in laws to overturn a controversial Supreme Court human rights ruling exploited by groups such as Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion. 
the judgment slows down officers' attempts to remove human roadblocks. Mr. Cleverly, writing exclusively for the Mail today, says, quote, public spaces belong to all of us, not just to a minority of selfish thugs or extremists seeking to undermine our democracy. Okay, so maybe the same thing comes to your mind. What about the farmers, right, all over Europe? Talked about this, showed a lot of footage to close off the show last night. Heroic people leaving their farms to try to save their farms, whether they be in Ireland or Poland or Germany or France or Italy or the Netherlands. They're all getting engaged, it seems, and they're stopping traffic. They're stopping the flow of traffic. Now, for MRC TV, I reported on how uh, there were stories back last late summer, early fall, about a, a mother with her uh, child trying to get to a hospital in London and they to just stop oil people were blocking the roads. It was on video. Um, it was just amazing to see how little they cared. You know, they cared so much for this weird, you know, MacGuffin that they've got going on. And by the way, I've got my David Knight T-shirt, my uh, uh, David Knight T-shirt on underneath here. It's my MacGuffin T-shirt. So, um, you know, they care so much about that, that they're willing to let this child suffer, you know, something worse than that. Um, but again, the problem arises if you're going to have the standard where the protesters who were so concerned about something that I clearly recognize as ridiculous, that they're going to be stopping the roads, the public roads, as they say here, therefore, all of us, they belong to all of us, says Mr. Cleverly. Well, then, are you going to stop climate, uh, stop farm protesters as well? Now, on the one hand, I think the farm protesters have very valid arguments, and I don't think the climate protesters have valid arguments, but they're both engaging in the same tactics, right? So what do you do? What do you do? You've got the government. Does the government start to pick and choose? And then how often will that be right or wrong? How do you determine these things? You can't determine it because the initial wrong has already occurred. The initial wrong is taking somebody's money to pay for something that now everybody's going to have some say in trying to make it run. The taking is the initial wrong. You're not going to get a positive one way or the other consistently with what you think if you are engaged in accepting the initial wrong. You can't do it. That's why I'm opposed to public schooling on a moral front. That's why I'm opposed to public libraries. I'm opposed to the polis for moral reasons. And once you breach that barrier, the practical problems all become unworkable. Are you going to let the climate protesters protest on the streets? No. We're going to arrest them. What about the farm protesters? Right? So this is the problem. And I think so many people who work in media they don't recognize that they might have that double standard where they'll accept one, but they won't accept the other, right? And conservatives have done this for years on the immigration stuff. They do it all the time. Well, yeah, you know, I'm for smaller government. You are? Really? Yeah, we got to take care of the president's got to take care of the border. Oh, okay. Good luck with that. Have fun. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we need national defense. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah, absolutely. The president's going to be able to do Oh, good. That's good. What's he doing? Oh, he's using drawdown authority to send more weapons to the, uh, the genocidal Israelis. Oh, but we don't support that president. But we support the general idea that a president could do that. But not that president. That's, that's, see, see? It's, it's, it's the system is immoral. It's just not workable. You know, it's not going to work.
Final thought here before we go, I want to give you some great stuff from the fine, fine people of Redacted to bring it back to the Tucker Carlson Carlson thing and uh, show you their thoughts. Very, very astute thinking from Redacted. And, oh, before I do anything, though, I saw someone contributed inside Rockman Chat as well. So uh, I want to do that. Uh, Risha M., I'm really glad you are showing Scott Horton. He's got his show he does that is a wealth of information. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Anti-war is the bomb. Yeah. Risha, did you did you mean that intentionally? That's pretty funny if you did that on purpose. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I love anti-war. They're really, really cool. I know uh, Angela Keaton used to be with them for a long time, and I've been friends with Angela for a long time. She's very, very cool. And uh, was she married to Brian Doherty for a while from Reason, I think? Um, but anyway... Um, yeah, just, uh, really, really good people at anti-war. Awesome folks. And the Libertarian Institute, so many good people, but, and of course here, uh, we've got some good stuff from redacted. So, uh, I didn't show myself reading that piece there. I I had them frozen on the screen so long there. Sorry about that, everybody. Let's show you a little redacted and, uh, see what their good thoughts are. Very, very cool stuff from them. Let's talk about it because today is the day. Tucker Carlson's interview with Russian President Vladimir Putin is like a bomb going off in establishment Washington right now. The deep state corporatists are in full panic mode as we speak about what is being exposed, not just about the corruption in Ukraine. I'm talking about the truth surrounding the DNC email hack. Um, U.S. biolabs in Ukraine, perhaps? Will that be on the list here hillary clinton's connections to all of this perhaps that's why the clinton foundation's connections to the corruption in ukraine is top of mind for hillary clinton and if you just pay attention to uh pay attention folks to what's coming because the biden administration is pissed and they are going after tucker carlson full force so it's no wonder hillary clinton presumably called up msnbc yesterday in full panic mode and said, hey, put me on television. I'll do an exclusive interview with you guys if you put me on television. And uh, yes, I will talk all about Tucker Carlson. Do you want me to do that interview? And MSNBC, of course, is like, absolutely, we would. You want to come on and do an exclusive with us so you can talk all about Tucker Carlson? Very fishy indeed, wouldn't you say? And that's why they are doing this uh, interview preemptively to try to discredit Tucker Carlson because they know what's coming. Make no mistake about it. I'll stake my entire reputation, by the way, that there is no way this interview had been planned for weeks. This interview came together as a last minute thing. This whole interview was about Tucker. It was about Trump. It was about Putin. That's what the interview was about. Here here is Hillary Clinton attacking Tucker in the most childlike way possible because she knows what's coming. Even without her even seeing the interview, she knows what's coming. Watch. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has, after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he, uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with outlet because he is a useful idiot. He says things that are not true. He parrots Vladimir Putin's uh, pack of lies about Ukraine. Uh, so I don't see why Putin wouldn't give him an interview because through him, he can, you know, continue to lie about what his, you know, objectives are in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, what he expects to see happen. It's really quite sad that not just somebody like Tucker Carlson, who has, as I said, been fired so many times because he seems unable to, you know, correlate his uh, reporting with the truth, um, but also because he, 
it's a sign that there are people in this country right now who are like a fifth column for Vladimir Putin. And why? I don't know. I mean, why are certain Republicans throwing their lot in? Why are, you know, other Americans basically believing uh, Putin? Why did Trump believe Putin more than our 11 intelligence agencies? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have a working theory? I do have a working theory. It's not funny. That's not funny. That's not funny at all. People die because, yeah. yeah. Oh, you didn't study, girl. You, the journalist, didn't study if you think that that's so funny. Also, she's poking at him for having been fired for network news. She was fired. She lost elections. So, you know, is failure mean you can't ever try again in life? Or when he worked at CNN and he was a conservative voice on CNN and it didn't align with their democratic values at at CNN, they decided that we're going to push him out of here. And when he was telling the truth at Fox News and they actually didn't fire him, they actually came to an agreement to pay out the rest of his contracts and pull him off of the air. So it wasn't actually fired, as he has publicly talked about. But anyway, and also you were fired. Because you lost an election and uh, the American people have had enough of you. So Clinton is in panic mode right now over all of this. She says that Trump and Tucker are basically tapping in right now to this yearning. So she's tying Tucker to Trump and this MAGA movement in the United States, this basket of deplorables, right? So she went on and on and on about this uh, and saying that she, that Tucker is, that he's tapping into this yearning that a MAGA Americans want an authoritarian leader, a dictator. It's it's more than just the political partisan advantage. There is a yearning for leaders who can kill and imprison their opponents, destroy the press, uh, lead a life that is one of impunity, unbound by any laws. There's a yearning among certain people in our country for that kind of leadership. And I find that absolutely gobsmacking, terrifying. Oh, do you? Oh, do you? So just think about, okay, undermining the press. That's exactly what the Biden administration has done. It's collusion with social media and big tech companies to suppress the press. Uh, That's just one piece of this. Well, why is it useful for her to do this preemptively? Because she's putting words into blue MAGA Democrats who will not question the narrative around Ukraine, who will not question the administration. They're uncomfortable doing any study about the war in Ukraine. And so they can use her words to say, no, I'm not going to look into that. No, I'm not going to question that. And I absolutely won't watch it. And if somebody tries to engage with me over it, I'll just use her words. Tucker Carlson's a loser. He's been fired a lot. He's a fifth arm of Putin. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, if you think about it, right, so Clinton is in panic mode over what's about to be exposed here. She doesn't do this interview just because she's, you know, she has an off day. She, she's doing this interview, this exclusive, because she know what's about. She knows what's about to be exposed here. Let's go down now, the list of items. Control. Yeah, it is damage control. So let's go down the list of items that Tucker might be about to talk about here. I'm putting some big money on this, okay, on the DNC email hack, for starters. Remember the official narrative about how the DNC was hacked, right? Do you remember? The official line, of course, here's the Washington Post, And the official line from Hillary is that Putin hacked the DNC and then gave the emails to Julian Assange at WikiLeaks, right? That's the official line. Okay. Now, remember, Tucker recently sat down and interviewed Julian Assange uh, in Belmarsh Prison. You'll recall this, of course. There uh, he was in November. And then Tucker was on our show 
here at Redacted. And he confirmed to us on our show that he's working on this DNC email angle in a piece because everything we've been told about this is a lie. He said this on our show. I don't know. I just didn't go there in my own head. And now I look back at that period. So it would have been 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. And there was a lot going on. And I'm revisiting some of those stories from that time and thinking, wait a second, the wackos or the people I thought were wackos were really onto something. And maybe not the whole story, but they're there's definitely something there. And and I'll just give you one example, which is the, and I was writing about it this morning in a piece that we're doing on Julian Assange, who we visited in prison. You know, the, the emails from the DNC in 2016 that showed that the Hillary campaign had rigged the primary against Bernie Sanders, who had popular support, grassroots support. She did not. She was fully astroturf corporate candidate. And they told us that Russia stole those emails. Well, that's not true. And it was kind of obvious at the time that it wasn't true. Bill Binney did a big piece on this in The Nation. Like, as a tech matter, that couldn't have happened. So someone from inside the building leaked those to WikiLeaks, and Assange has effectively said the same thing. So, like, what is that? So, look, I'm no genius, despite what my wife thinks. But you don't find it curious that Tucker hasn't released that Julian Assange interview yet? Hmm. Think about that for a moment, right? That was November. Uh, Waiting perhaps to confirm parts of that story before publishing that story, you know, like a good journalist does. Uh, He interviewed Assange in November. Why is he waiting on that? I think we all know the answer. And this is why Hillary and the Biden team are in full scramble mode right now. That could be just one small piece of the story, the DNC email hack story. The other piece of this, or it could be related to the Clinton Foundation receiving stolen IMF money from Viktor Pinchuk, who Ukrainian, who runs the Cradles of Hope neonatal centers in Ukraine. Now, if you're living in the West and you want a baby, you can get a baby, any baby you want right now in Ukraine, right? I mean, it's yes. like a baby factory. I mean, yes. you can you can even get like twins. They, in fact, will guarantee you twins, right? Yes. I've spoken to sources who say, if you want twins, we'll just shove four or five in there and we'll abort however many you don't want. Uh, This is, I mean, yeah, it's basically made to order baby factory, baby factory in Ukraine. Here's Chelsea Clinton, even showing up lending Clinton foundation credibility to these neonatal facilities in Ukraine, feeling broody. Chelsea Clinton visits premature babies at children's hospitals during tour of Ukraine. Of course, these children's hospitals were Pinchuk's uh, children's hospitals um, receiving IMF stolen money. So, Hmm. Maybe it's that. I don't know. Could be that. Or it could be biolabs. Right. And the Hillary Clinton uh, Biden administration connection to these biolabs, of course, as Scott Bennett, former U.S. psychological warfare officer, explained. And here's a nice chart to like remind all of us here how this money flows. Um, Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, George Soros, uh, President, former pre- Vice President Biden, now president, flowing from these intelligence agencies into these biolabs, hundreds of millions of dollars. Again, Scott Bennett, former U.S. psychological warfare officer, has explained uh, multiple times, seeing the documents himself, that Russians have connections and uh, provided these documents. They've connected the dots on this. To- Just to show you, everybody, if you want to see this block here, if you want to go back with the, uh, with it on the larger screen, uh, this block here 
is the block of the Ukraine block. Then they split it off into the pharmaceutical wing that goes over to Eli Lilly and Merck and so on. And then to the defense department wing over here, the DOD. But uh, just you can you can, uh, you know, scroll back if you want to do a screenshot or anything like that. And uh, they've done very good coverage of this on uh, Redacted. Hillary Clinton to Ukraine, to the Clinton Foundation, and of course, the vice president, Joe Biden at the time. Watch. Established by the United States under Barack Obama, Dick Lugar, 2007. They have grown exponentially ever since. They were developing uh, pathogens, diseases, to a lot of the legal documentation that I've seen. I've seen the the Pentagon documents. I've seen the slides. I've seen uh, the implications that the USAID, CIA, the Clinton, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, the Soros Organization, the Open Society Foundation, uh, all of these big foundations that were globalist, Bill Gates's Project 201, all, the Russians have all of the documentation and the fingerprints and their, their, their participation in this and their funding this, as well as Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, uh, and a variety of other groups that were in Ukraine uh, you know, using all of this research to then send back to uh, Fort Detrick that, that found its way and move on. So uh, a lot, all of this originated. Yeah, all of this originated there. This is Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com. 